0: Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We have this every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. This is episode 380. We've got a small but powerful panel um, and we've got a guest as well. I'm going to let the guest, Michelle, introduce herself to the listeners and viewers. Michelle, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm a independent designer and front-end developer out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I do lots of WordPress things. You've probably seen me speaking or organizing or wandering around the country somewhere so <laughs>
1: and you've got opinions haven't you
2: well i mean that's what you need on a panel isn't it
1: it is actually we do need that <laughs> uh, that's why i select the panel because they've got opinions uh chris would you like to I- introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers
3: my name's Chris Badgett. I help course creators build uh, websites with our software called Lifter LMS, which runs on top of WordPress. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast.
1: Very good one. i know. got Spencer Forum. Oh, Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself sure. to business of yours?
0: Sure. Spencer Foreman from WP Launchify, and we help people who are building uh, WordPress-based membership sites with things like e-commerce marketing automation.
1: Certainly, do that's a good job. I hope. Uh, um, so the guy, uh, <laughs> no, he, he's a great guy. Um, so, <laughs> on, to the, on to the stories. Uh, um, number one WordPress end support for PH two and 5.5. Oh, my god, thank god. Bumps mean requirement PH version to 5.6. What did you think of this one, Michelle? Uh, I mean, I
2: Probably in the majority that says it's about time, right? Uh, Although I understand why it took so long. I mean, with the whole democratized publishing thing, they're trying to make it as accessible as possible for people to publish their content, and that means they have to support people that are on old stuff and they don't want to scare people by breaking anything. (laughs) Although, of course, then. On the flip side, we go and completely change our editing interface drastically. So whether or not we actually care about breaking stuff is up for debate, but hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, I understand why.
1: <laughs> well, it's probably more to do with their relationships with the, with the major hosting companies more than anything, but that, maybe I'm, I'm an old man. I'm just cynical, Michelle. There we go. <laughs> what do you reckon, Spencer?
0: This is, This goes in the categories of one of those things I didn't really know was a thing. I really didn't know that anybody was still on 5. point something anymore than I thought people were still running Windows 95. Uh, I'm sure there's some reason for it, but I I literally just presume that this, in this wonderful amazing age of rocket ships and cloud hosting that everybody was on PHP 7.
1: Who knew? Yes, I, uh, I won't mention the hosting companies. One, one's like Alligator and One's your daddy and I don't know, but <laughs> 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 uh feel blue. Uh, yeah, right. blue well. Uh um you know, they've got a closet, but they've got some poor administrator over the probably in the far east trying to deal with it. What do you reckon? They, oh, I, I
0: just about that one thing you said, the only time I ever know that somebody is living in the dark ages is when we get a random client who comes in and they've for example, got a host where I haven't heard the name before and you want to do something like add an SSL certificate or point a domain and you realize it's like, well, it's about five days wait until the administrator gets back to you about, you know, changing your a record. And it's like, Oh, time machine, you know?
1: So yeah. Time machine. Say that again, what do you reckon? Chris, um, you must be so relieved that they're doing this in a way. because.
3: I am relieved we, uh, we have a, at leftLMS, we have a minimum system requirement of 7 point2 to run our software, and I noticed that I was talking to somebody who just like within the last couple of weeks bought a brand new Bluehost account, and they could not install our plugin because it was running on 5.6 or something like that, and I was just very surprised with a new hosting account that that would happen and uh I was also I had never seen that error message before on the when you install a plugin that you have to upgrade your PHP and this the per, the person I was talking to had a hard time getting their host to upgrade but all in all I think it's a really good thing and um yeah we just need help from WordPress and hosting companies and developers and agencies and freelancers to just move it forward
2: Okay I mean to be fair though like It's not like it's just a thing you can just do and there's absolutely no consequences to it. Like 90% of the time you can just do it. But I've had to deal with some stuff that was written in a way that you could get away with in PHP 5.whatever, but you can't get away with in PHP 7 because it got a little more strict about... And especially... um, Like class-based stuff and how you could call different things from other things. Like I actually had to do some rewriting of some things that were written uh, in a way that you could get away with in five, but not in seven. So, I mean, there are consequences to it. It's not just like, I don't know, changing the paint color on your wall. Actually, that's a pain in the butt too. So never mind. <laughs> but I think I'd rather upgrade PHP than paint the walls. But
1: when I when I want to change it to pink, I have the same problem. There we go. <laughs> uh, um, I think I think we. Yep, yeah, I think it's good news for once. All right, on to the next story. Um, T-Mobile start testing wireless home internet services. Oh, thank God for this as well. We might get at some some actual competition. What do you reckon about this one, Spencer?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I love these my little stories. So, you know those movies that have some kind of a bad guy plot where the bad guy or bad girl is in a cave somewhere with a laptop, you know, extorting somebody over the, you know, wireless laptop. It seems that in a cave somewhere in the desert, they get 4K video conferencing. Whereas here in Chicago in 2019, I have to sell a kidney to keep a connection going through Comcast. And Comcast is the only connection. So last year, before I sorted all this out, I had to go through this gyration because I have Verizon on my iPhone and I've got an unlimited data plan that goes really pretty strongly. I kept having to switch over to my phone just to do business during the day, blah, 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 blah. The problem that we have here in America is that those that have the physical connections really do have true monopolies, even in major metropolitan areas. At the same time, the opposite problem is that the way the FCC is going under this new guy, which don't get me started on him, uh, you know, with his politics and stuff, is that there's going to be a way that T-Mobile lets you do wireless home service. And then there's going to be the big aha, which is what I found out of Verizon. Unlimited data means unlimited data up to a certain point at 4G or God knows 5G. And then you go back to the stone age where you can't even watch a video. So either way, they've got you by the cojones and all of it sucks balls. I mean, it really just does because there really needs to be a consideration about whether or not as a country, it's better for business that they do some kind of deregulation, uncoupling something that allows everybody everywhere to have either wireless or whatever at a bare minimum broadband without this nonsense of like throttling and caps and warnings and stuff. Because for God's sakes, we know it it doesn't cost them more money to send more bits down the same pipe that exists. It just doesn't, even if it's wireless.
1: Yeah. Chris, I know you live out in the sticks. I hopefully you yeah, and had to do like a lot of Pippin Williams and bought a second hand second hand tower. And <laughs> but how do you deal with your connection and what, what did you think of this story?
3: Well I had to bury the internet line from my house out to the cabin in my backyard where I'm at now to have good enough internet to be able to do calls like this. And then when I read this article, I actually checked on the speed test website and I have 100 Mbps or whatever it is. So this is saying that with, four, or with LTE, you can get 55 or something, 50 uh, megabits per second or whatever it is. And to me, that would be sufficient. I could hang with that. Um, and, and I, I just want to add, I used to live in Alaska for a very long time. And when I lived in Juneau, Alaska, like almost 10 years ago, which is, there's no road there. Uh, there's only 50 miles of road. You have to fly in or take a boat in. Uh, there was something called the WiMAX that I was using cellular-based internet. It was affordable, and because Juno was in like a valley surrounded by mountains and glaciers, like the cell network, it only needs to hit a really small area. And we, this technology has been around for a very long time. It worked great. It was affordable. It was cheap. There was no throttles. I don't know why we could do that in Juneau, Alaska, and it's taking so long for the rest of the world to figure this out. But it's, uh, I think, democratizing internet access is really important, and. So I just, hopefully we can get through it and get through all the BS and get down to just getting internet access to everybody.
1: And Google was uh, attempting to kind of build out and they were pushing it and then it's gone all for the past, then it suddenly went quiet, didn't it? You know, it kind of, you know, it's not been publicized at all. I don't know if that was something that AA Gate had to give up on. What do you reckon, Michelle?
2: Yeah, well, I know Google actually had to pull out of some of the markets that they were going into, which was kind of devastating for the people there. So that sucked. It was actually really funny because while we were talking about internet connections, I got like a pop-up saying that my internet connection was unstable. (laughs) Like, oh, cool. That's topical. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm trying to do this over Wi-Fi in my house. Literally, my router's right there. So I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the bet. But it is what it is. I don't know. Well, how- it's,
1: it's just Zoom. It sucks every bit of bandwidth out, out oh, of Oh,
2: your- yes. I mean, I guess it is still kind of magical that we can talk to each other via live video around the world. So that, I do appreciate that. But the downside of technology is like when it works 100%, you're like, oh, great, this is smooth and this is how it's supposed to be. But then when it works like 80%, you're just like, oh, this 20% is so frustrating. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of that with... uh internet bandwidth. I've, um, I do a lot of traveling. And so I've done a lot of, uh, internet from airplanes or an interesting one is internet on a cruise ship because they actually do sell you tiers of internet. Like you can buy social media only internet. That's the future of the internet. If, if everything is able to be kind of like sold to you in packages, like the Facebook only internet is a thing. You can already do it on a cruise ship. It's so like, I'm surprised people aren't freaking out about that more. To be honest,
0: the dystopian version, you mean? Yeah.
2: right? yeah. It's uh, it's already there. It already, it already is a thing. And, people can do it. <laughs>
0: and and I, I mean, I will tell you what I know about the Google thing—very little. But as far as the fiber part of Google, so there was a big huff, huffy, puffy. Remember about fiber because you know you can have this one little thing that is run for everybody to tap into, and it's virtually unlimited bandwidth and so forth. But the politics of it are such, I can literally see the box where the fiber runs down this major thoroughfare. It's within view of my house. When I contacted the providers that could allegedly tap into that, it was really Comcast, AT&T, and maybe Google. Google had no political gain here, so they couldn't do it. The other ones, literally, it was, it was weird because you could see the poles with the cable and you could see the box with the fiber. They were quoting like $12,000 to connect me. Like I could... I could like throw a rope over to the box. <laughs> and the whole point was because of permits and trucks and get on. I got to talk to the cable company to get permission to run the thing, the final asset and blah, 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 blah. So when you talk about wireless, I think there's, I think Chris's thing is talking about. We all have these abilities with mesh networks on Comcast. My router is public. I mean, if you think about it, I could see 20, 30 people around me. If there was some law regulation whatever that forced any company that provides a router that has Wi-Fi to let them all become part of a mesh, that could easily connect to the hundred gigillion you know megabit pipe, and then feed into my neighborhood instead of relying upon let's say you know the little tiny cable or Wi-Fi or a combination of all three. But the political will isn't there to overcome an monopolistic corporate thing which is comcast making you know 20 billion dollars of profit and then claiming that they can't afford to give away wi-fi to low income neighborhoods or even price it normally Um, yeah i
2: mean we're still we're still debating whether or not internet is a utility or a service right and that's kind of like the big question (laughs) that we haven't solved yet so
1: yeah that's interesting on to the next one um Number 16 months of members-only content. And this is from Tom McFarlane. He's been on the show a a while ago. He's a great developer, a great member of the WordPress community. It's a short post, but um, I thought, you know, I love Tom. What did you think of this one, Chris?
3: I thought it was good. I was looking at the feedback he was getting that he was trying to improve his members-only content. Yeah, that, which were two points, the quality of the articles that were for members only and how difficult it is for new members to sign up. And the first reaction I had is if I was taking 16 months of content to become a better uh, developer, I think he might benefit from using a course structure, like, do it, <laughs> like making the transition from blogging to teacher. Because it's one thing to put a bunch of articles behind a paywall, it's another thing to make a conscious, you know, learning curriculum design to help somebody go through some kind of transformation. So that was one, one reaction and how difficult it is for new members to sign up. I kind of looked at his sign up process and it's, it's just kind of like uh, an upsell that's like kind of embedded deep within the content. I would just lead I would recommend leading with it in a more prominent way on the website of like this is another way to do business with me or that I can help you transform in a certain way and just go through a more modern sales page but I'm sure he's looking at all that stuff but I think it's really awesome I think there needs to be more people especially in the WordPress community that are you know they're very good at blogging and creating content and social media but to do more conscious efforts around creating programs that can help other people level up on their skills and stuff like that. So I'm glad, I'm really glad to see he's doing this and not just doing all free content.
1: I always remember uh, when I was really actively developing, I was a member of Pippin Williamson's membership. And I was amazed he used to get these these people complaining about... I, I don't know how much he used to charge. He used to like... And he used to charge like $6, $10 a month. And he used to get these people complaining about it. And I thought, you assholes! But <laughs> are I think he... Uh, yeah, I think he ran out of time, didn't he? And I think he just pushed it all free now. But most, a lot of it's—I think some of it's still relevant. I haven't looked at it for a while. What do you think, Michelle?
2: I mean, so it's kind of interesting. I I watch a lot of people I know that are doing members-only content and stuff, and I actually um, just launched a blog. Uh, just a normal blog about a month ago on um, the, it's called fitnessandfreelance.com and it's about how to incorporate like health and wellness into an independent or a tech or creative lifestyle. Right. And I just launched it. Like right now it's, it's mostly just to get stuff out there and to let people know that, Hey, I'm doing this and we're all doing this. Right. But the first thing everyone always says to me is like, Oh, you have to like monetize that you have to like find, you know, sell something and i'm like honestly though yes you're not wrong but like you have to sell something that adds value right you can't just be like hey read my articles for money you know you want to i mean like there has to be something about it that's valuable like teaching someone something or you know whatever so you it's it's interesting to look at stuff like this because people think it's so easy to just like oh yeah just just slap a charge on it and, and people will totally it's like I don't know. I don't believe that's necessarily the case. I think you need to put a little more thought into it than that. So, yeah, it's just,
1: it was interesting that you know you hadn't. Well, I don't want to come across criticizing because you know I, I know Tom and he's a he's a pretty bright guy, um, but I think he's been a little bit surprised about the amount of work and I just sensed it through the article a little bit. What do you reckon, Spencer?
0: I, I appreciate Tom personally, uh, along with people like Justin Tadlock and, you know, JJ was on. And so, you know, the, these are some of the people from whom I learned my own PHP chops when I went from being a businessman into the world of WordPress back in the earliest days. What I think is interesting here is a reflection of two aspects of how sales work. <laughs> We've talked before on the show and otherwise, there are developers and there are marketing people. There are developers and there are people that want to deal with the public. There are developers and there are people who understand the psychology of what's going on. Developers have a unique mindset. And when I would wear those hats and get deep into it, I could feel the, the shift in my brain, like the difference between when I'm playing music or not, where people are not what I want. I want pixels and focus and et cetera, et cetera. As Chris Rutley pointed out, I think it's very hard for somebody as talented as Tom to understand how to sell to people, how to organize content in a logical way for the marketing aspect, for the consumption aspect, for the I'm going to buy it from you aspect, because he's thinking about the coding stuff, perhaps. The second thing, which is no fault of his own, but it's a problem he'll have to overcome. There's two types of customers, people who are DIY, this is like I'm a developer, and people who are I'm a, a business person consumer who just wants you to do it for me. These kind of people will pay you an arm and a leg to give them something that solves their problem. These kind of people will nickel and dime you till you know blood comes out of your ears. So he's got a double problem. He thinks like a developer. He's trying to do all kinds of backwards-ass, upside-down things because he doesn't really have the experience of selling over here. And his customers are the same kind of people who are going to criticize and give him hassles no matter what he does, right or wrong. It's a Sisyphean task he faces. He probably should ask the help of somebody who's a marketer. I'm sure there's a million people who would be very grateful to work with him to sort it out. But if it turns out at least he makes his sales process easier, there'll be less grief from the people he has to deal with who are developers.
1: You have to get him on your show, Chris. And then you can give him some advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, at least at least the good thing, though, is that, you know, he shipped his idea instead of just thinking about how it would be a good idea. Right. So like good for him for for doing it and like learning. From it, Actually doing it. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the only way to learn, too. So as you rightly pointed yeah. out, Michelle, I mean, you you need to get in there, get ugly, get dirty, figure out where all these whiners are, because oftentimes you can not address it the way they want, because you tell them, look, what do you want? And then when you hand it to them. There's no more excuse of saying, hey, you didn't want this. You told me you wanted it. Pay for it. If they do, then you're in the business. If not, you realize, well, I'm going to go back to working on what I was working on. And, you know, best way to try it.
1: That's great. Well, I want to talk about one of my great sponsors, and that's WP Fusion. And what is WP Fusion? Well, in your technology stack, obviously, you should have WordPress if you're considering a learning management system membership site or e-commerce. And on the other side, it's 2019, folks. You should have a CRM because you've got to do all that marketing Automative Marketing that everybody's talking about. And what WP Fusion, it allows those two key parts of your tech stack to really talk to one another. And you can do amazing things around marketing automation with these three elements. If that sounds really interesting for yourself or for clients, go to WP Fusion. And he's, they have offered us a great... Um, discount, which is only available to you, beloved listeners and viewers. So, if you go to the WP Fusion site and you use the coupon code WP Tonic, all uppercase, you'll get 25% of any of the packages that WP Fusion offers. And I can say that's only exclusively, exclusively offered to you, listeners and viewers. Uh, right. And we're going to go for our break as well. And we're back, and I've got some more stories. And we've got a great panel. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress
0: developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and
3: trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast.
1: Coming back. It's, it's, not, it's not been so gloomy as most weeks. I've chosen some more lighthearted. I'm not criticizing Facebook either. All right. A rare a rare a rarity for me. Uh, um on to story four. Tools to boost remote work productivity. And that's from Web Dev Studios, a reasonably good quality resource. What did you think of this one, uh, Michelle?
2: Uh I mean nothing nothing on the list was surprising to me, nah. obviously. I'm uh, I'm independent, like I work alongside a lot of teams, so there's there's plenty of stuff there. It's uh I like stuff like that because it's cool to see the tools that other teams are using. But in my opinion, uh, the best tool to use is the one that you use. So, um, you know, there's plenty of stuff on there that's probably great, but not all of it works with everybody's workflow. So,
1: well, kind of, you know, the, just quickly go for the loose slack. Um, I kind of, I've stuck with my old. Um, um, project management software, and that's teamwork. But I do use Slack a bit as well. I, d- I just have a little bit trouble with the um, the the relationship between the sl- the Slack app and their website. I, sometimes I find it a little bit confusing the interaction between those two. Um, I think it's a little bit clumsy myself, but maybe that's just me. Um, and then I got all these project management um, tools, haven't they? Um, and and of course, you got Zoom, and then you got your depositories, and you know, and code pen. You know, if you actively, you know, used to live in that, you know. Uh, um, well, what did you reckon, Spencer? What did you think of their list?
0: I think this is a good list to reflect upon, a concept of how amazing it is to be doing business in 2019, because I am the grandfather of this group, let's say the oldest one probably here. And how when I, am I started...
1: I am actually. <laughs> By one Maybe. year.
0: Maybe. Right. Maybe. You know, my, my businesses were like this, a pad of paper and a pen. I still use it. But the idea of, you know, getting software was, hello, Bill Gates, how much do I have to pay you this day, this week, this month for every new thing I try? Whereas today, it's a virtual smorgasbord of despite our bandwidth issues virtual smorgasbord of like pick your lego block stick it together with this lego block that lego block and boom virtual business the amazing thing that we do here every week of getting together with people around the world as if we're in the same room talking in 4k or perfect harmony i mean amazing having said that i do agree michelle's proposition is that I am constantly rotating things in. Part of what I do for clients is to help them understand which components fit together. So that and my natural like love for this I'm a gadget freak in the kitchen appliances or you know anything to optimize my time I love this. The one thing that I believe is really needed that this list reminds me of, and it's kind of my tool tip of the week. I have a problem almost every day because I do four, five, six calls a day, which? Thing is the client wanting to communicate on Skype, telephone, Zoom, God forbid, Google Hangouts. I think somebody who gives you an interface that interfaces all of those in one way, so you could just say "Meet me here" and use the thing in the in the middle. That would be an amazing tool. But that's just a wish list item. Otherwise, I love this. I mean, this is like uh, you know, terrific.
1: There was um, the 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 main. There was, a, oh, I saw it on, I saw it, I forgot the guy's name, he does a webinar, he has a big following he's, he's a Canadian, he's got a big white beard, but the, uh, he was going through schedulers and the problem, I used um, Book Like a Boss, um, but the only problem is it doesn't really work that well, well, it doesn't work when you've got a group, when you're, you're trying to book a date with like three or four people, and he, this Canadian guy, which I can't remember his name, uh, um, was looking at an app that actually um, had a really cool interface that kind of sent out um, to a small group where you're looking to book a, a book time that worked for everybody and dealt with all the all the time differences. Because it's such a nightmare, you know, dealing with booking a group because you've got to set up the Zoom and then you you normally got to send a Google calendar, which then will sort out the time differences of the group.
3: What do you reckon, Chris? I thought it was a great list. Um, I'm a power Zoom user. I love Zoom. I love Slack. Uh, On the project management end, I've tried it all from Basecamp to Asana. Now I'm on Trello. Monday.com just kind of annoys me, but that's because... Of well, their the
1: aver- adverts. The adverts annoy me.
3: So I, every morning I have a five minute meditation I do, and there's a some video before you
1: before you, use, before you use Monday.
3: Right before <laughs> I sit down to like meditate, I have to listen to five seconds of a really obnoxious Monday ad.
2: But uh,
3: <laughs> I, I, I'm just going gonna- <laughs> you know, that, that out there. I
1: know, um, I just reading, watch one of their bloody
3: adverts. <laughs> documentation. Documentation. I've never found a solution that I was really happy with. So we built our own at Liftrail MS. I do love One oh. Password. It saves so much time, and I love oh. the One Password for Teams. And it, it works even better than it ever used to. If and they it, ever
1: get if they ever get cracked, if they get every I'm finished because I've got <laughs> everything <laughs> in there. I literally that bloody application knows more about me than I know about myself. Because yeah, I, I got a lot I, in there, I've got everything in there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous, uh, really. I've trusted them with everything, you know. They uh, even got my Swiss bank account details, Chris.
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they're good. They're good. The thing that's not on here that is just I find really critical, both when I used to run the agency and then as a product company, is Help Scout. I think that email... Like getting to like a group email can just save so much time if you're working in a team. So I would definitely add that. To the I applied discussion.
1: for a job with them or, about four, or five No, oh, I'm sorry. Uh,
0: before, Help Scout was great. We had to move to front. I loved wow. Help Scout but I, because two key things. I grew so weary. Help Scout doesn't have the database of your contact local to you. So when you want to respond to somebody, you start to try to type their name. You might as well take a nap and come back tomorrow because it's going to be that long till it pre-fills the name of the person. And the second thing was the actual editor for the emails was so rudimentary and it kept forcing you to the bottom of the screen. So when you wanted to use, you know, rich text markup or a normal editor, impossible. Front, amazing. Oh, I Everything about Help Scout, but better. So worth trying out for anybody. We tried it side by side. and It was like, goodbye help Scott. and we love Helpsco. help Scott.
1: well they're such nice people aren't they they're oh, amazing we... i
0: asked them, i asked them please fix this they're like eh, "Roadmap, roadmap. schmode map we'll get to it when we get to it but i'm like six months of waiting i'm like i can't wait
1: yeah like i say about five years ago i applied for a job with them and they sent me such a sweet email back saying well thank you for your application but we're just not looking for grumpy englishmen so they <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're O L D. No, please
1: try again. We've got a different attitude. You, you we we we've heard your your answers to our insane application process really interesting. We're not quite sure you
2: <laughs> I did wanna say we were talking about scheduling a little bit earlier and I personally use Calendly, which I think is about eighty percent perfect. There's like a couple things I would change about it. Like I wish I pay for the full version and I wish that I could set different of my calendars to populate different types of events as to whether I'm busy. Like if I'm scheduling an in-person event, I want my out-of-town calendar to say that I'm busy. But if I'm scheduling a call, I don't need my out-of-town calendar to say that I'm busy. So it's like one thing that's like my one weird use case. But what's kind of sad, so... um doing work at target for the last six months um i'm using like outlook for the first time in my life and it's um like weird and confusing being used to like email via browser like that's how i started but um scheduling meetings with lots of people in outlook is really easy (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, wow. So this is this is what the big companies do. You just kind of do it and everybody's there. That's neat. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah they millennials, you don't know what you're missing. See, there <laughs> we go. see, see you don't even know what a record I'm
2: is. A, I'm an old millennial, whatever.
1: Uh, God, I'm not going down here. I'm not going <laughs>
0: Switch this this crypto. I'll I'll get out of
2: that. Uh
1: The
0: the, the clients, by the way, the clients that use those systems are very efficient, but for the same thing that we were just talking about in reverse, which is they're usually on some lockdown Windows based machine with Windows browser with like, you know, the SMTP and all the services are locked in. So one of my clients who's in that world. Can't even let their notifications escape that they've gotten, let's say, a new lead from the lead magnet or something, because the mm-hmm. the administrator has to unlock all of the shenanigans that are there to protect the Outlook or the other corporate systems. So, yeah, it's probably a nice trade-off. But it's, a, it's a
1: totally different world. Like my ex-wife was a top consultant, um, I and mean, she still is, and she just kind of lived in Outlook and Excel. And he's Excel spreadsheets. And he asked, she asked me for help. I said, well, no, I don't know nothing about Excel. I don't even go, you know, ask me to look a website up. <laughs> but there we go. Um, yeah. on, to, on to the next story. Um, Pinterest hides Excel behind Walmart's tech transformation. Not a normal story I would choose, but when I read it, I thought it was reasonably interesting. Um, what did you think of this one, Spencer? Well,
0: when Jeremy was at my house the other day and we were hanging out, we were talking about uh, his jump. Now, one of the things I can say from personal experience, I'm not a fan of Walmart for a couple of reasons, but mostly it's not geographically located where I live because the Chicago area has kind of kept them out. They allow Costco, not
1: them. I've Was it guns, with, guns and t- daggards that kept... I,
0: I think it probably has to do with Chicago political payola and so forth. But the point is, it doesn't hurt anybody. You, I can go arm's length away from me. There's maybe 20 minutes away as a Walmart. But my point is... Yeah, you, guys, you never, you
1: never, you never, li- you never li- leave your house anyway.
0: I'm getting to that story. So I enough. use Instacart with Costco.
1: I've explained. to share them because every bloody time you're on this show, you mention them.
0: By the way, there's a special coupon for our listeners that allows
1: you. Know, but, the,
0: but the point is, yes, not leaving my house. But for those times that I had to leave my house, and it, one of them, I had to go get some tires and get my annual smog check on the car or something. I drove so by where have to Walmart. Leave house, you know. I know. I know. It's, it's, it has to happen. I have a bubble that I transport myself out of the door into the car and then, <laughs> and then you know, back in the bubble and yeah. I don't want to breathe any air.
2: I mean, it's cold, I understand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the, the thing that I noticed about Walmart, which is, I think, really useful because uh, one of my, my, my sister's husband is an executive for another major company that is an online company, is that Walmart somehow had the wherewithal to set up, that thing where you can order your Walmart stuff and then drive up to the corral, they throw it in the car and you go on your busy way. And I do believe they also have delivery stuff, but just the the mere fact that somebody as large as that, whereas Costco has not yet done that. I thought that was amazing because I was saying, if I ever do leave the house, you know what? I'm just going to drive up to the corral in my little bubble car, get my stuff thrown in the trunk and drive back. And I think that's the stuff that if you are a major corporation, especially when it comes to the malls and everything else, retail closing, you have to think progressively. Like if somebody who's busy can see my stuff online, see the pricing, order it. And then during my errands between soccer games and other stuff I'm doing with the kids, schlep right past the store, grab the stuff and go, I'm going to keep buying your stuff. So I don't know how it works with Pinterest, but I definitely see that this guy had some progressive ideas.
1: Yeah, because yeah, um, I think it was the his company was purple, wasn't it? And uh, when when they were bought by Walmart for an enormous amount of money, it was highly. A lot of people criticised it, um, but what they were, what obviously they were buying was the actual, you know, a, a team that could actually implement the mechanics of of e commerce grocery. Um, which I think they've done reasonably effective. And I think um, I read a book a couple of years ago, um, uh, and it was about delivery. It was about logistics. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that home delivery for UBS, um, FedEx, and even for Amazon is not, is actually, the more you do it, the less profitable it gets. When, you know, it's contradictory, but the manpower, the gas, um, that's why Amazon, you know, it was amazing that it persuaded the post office to subsidize them because actually it's quite difficult to make money. What did you think of this article, Chris?
3: I think it's really interesting because uh, in an e-commerce world, modern e-commerce, the social media is becoming a stronger and stronger driver of sales. So I think this is just indicative of just evolving social media for sales, uh, rising influencer slash affiliate marketing, like with Spencer's coupon code there. It's it's just blowing up. And Pinterest is a great place. It's a visual media like YouTube. What e-commerce stores need to double down on going forward is having a strategy around social media and connecting that to the sale. And by connecting the social media influencers through product pins and all this stuff through the checkout process, they can actually track it like a, the way a Fortune 500 company or a big business likes to actually have their data of sales activity tracked. Um, but you know, I think it's a big opportunity for e-commerce brands that get it, because when we go to a, a traditional e-commerce website, let's just talk about clothes. You see like the shirt and then you see like the side angle and then you see the back. But as a consumer what we really want to see is we want to see it out in the wild on YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram and and in in both real and photoshopped like settings and see what it actually looks like and not what the company is telling me it looks like. So I think this is just a move a smart move towards uh just leadership into connecting social to sales.
1: Yeah, because I think, Pinterest, um it's not exactly. It was the flavour of the month, and then it's it seems not to be going because it's VC backed, so it's got to be going somewhere, or it's got to be bought. Um, they're the they're the only normal two traditional exit routes because um, going public seems to have diminished a great deal. But um, this might, this is because he's a smart cookie, isn't he? So um, we might go somewhere. We have to, we will observe. All right, let's go on for my tips. And my tip, surprise, surprise, is one password. Because like I said earlier on during the show, if that ever got hacked, uh, I'm, I'm, well, put your tip, put your tips into Slack actually, panel. So I'm going to look in, well, you, Yeah, put them in Slack, can you? Um, Basically, they're getting told off by me. I'm sounding increasingly like a headmaster, aren't I? I'm regulator. What's happening to me? I don't know. Uh, 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 But like I say, one password, if they ever got hacked, um, I'll be done for. Uh, I'm finished. I might as well give up life itself, I reckon. Right, Chris. What was your tip of the week, Chris?
3: Uh, my tool tip is just Alfred. I started working with it lately. This is typically more of a tool that even more technical people than me use, like more like developers. But what I love about it is basically the text expander functionality. If your business has pretty good fit and pretty good niche, you're going to get the same questions over and over and over again, or your business processes are going to get more refined. And your, which means your communication is... You just end up saying a lot of the same things. So I've just found by using uh, Alfred now to have some quick keyboard shortcuts, I'm probably doubling or tripling my efficiency whenever I'm in email or social media because I often find myself answering the same things or saying very similar things over and over. And it's usually not like the entire content of what I'm doing, but it's a piece of it. Or I combine... <laughs> combine different pieces together to answer the question in five seconds instead of, you know, a minute.
1: Yeah, especially when you're answering my email. It's always the same answer,
3: So
1: I use something similar. I use TextExpander. Uh, um, I, I totally rely on it. You know, I've got got insane number of automated replies. Uh, um, what about you Michelle have you got a tip or insight or product that you've been using that you would like to share with the listeners of yours?
2: I mean uh, pretty much a big project product that I am always a huge advocate for is uh, local by flywheel uh, as a as a designer and front-end developer doing local development I know there's a million different th- things people use but local has been kind of the best interface that I've found for being able to do things graphically and I like it mostly because I can switch configurations about my environments on the fly without having to rebuild stuff. And it syncs to Flywheel, which I happen to use for a decent amount of my clients. So it's not a revolutionary product. It's been out there for a while, but they're doing a lot of really cool stuff with uh, community driven plugins now, which is pretty sweet. So adding functionality to it and uh, I, can, I can't I can say enough good stuff about it. So. Well,
1: they their a quality company. The um, CEO has been on the show. Um, he's a great guy and um, we have to come back Uh, um, Spencer anything any science tools things
0: yeah I'll give a shout out to odrive.com which is a universal connector if you have multiple cloud storage you have a universal connector that gives you the ability to kind of manage them all in one place but also to make them into virtual drives on your desktop or share them with your team so essentially We use it for a variety of things, but you know, like you have multiple Google accounts and multiple Google drives and there's a Dropbox and there's an iCloud and there's puts them all together in one interface. And then what you can do is, for example, we often have resources that we'll share with clients or resources we'll give to subscribers. You can actually manage them on your local virtual desktop as if they were on your computer, but it's really affecting them in the cloud. And then you can share that resource. So it's really cool tool. Second shout out to them is for great landing page great website. It's just billboard, baby. It's This is what we do. This is why we solve your problem. Press here to get it. I love that. None of the shenanigans.
1: Oh, well, you want to put that into Slack? I've got to have a look at that. I've got, I've, I've got a yeah. messy relationship so, with Google and Dropbox. I need therapy, right. Spencer. I need help. It's you right. Need
0: that. You need like one of those hoarder people to come to your virtual world and clean it all up for you.
1: It's not that bad. It just kind of builds up a little bit. I'm I'm a very tidy person. Uh, I'm a contradiction. There we are. Uh, I think we ran out of juice. So, Chris, how can people find out? Oh, I've woke him up. Uh, Chris, uh, (laughs) Chris. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Sorry. I'm terrible today. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, um, how can people find out more about what you're up to and your thoughts and ideas?
3: Well, thank you for waking me up. I was actually just checking out the ODrive landing page. Yeah. I am not a great designer like Michelle, and I was, I was admiring that, um, that landing page. It is, it's nice and unique and very clean and simple. But you can find me at lifterlms.com, and you can find me at my podcast for course creators called LMS Cast.
1: Yes, it's, um, it takes great knowledge and skill to make things easy. Any idiot can make things really complicated. (laughs) That's what I've found. Um, Michelle, um, how can people find out more about you, your thoughts and what you're up to?
2: Great. Yeah, um, I am Mark Time Media pretty much everywhere on the internet. Uh, So feel free to find me there. Uh, You can also find me at fitnessandfreelance.com if you want to find out more about that side of what I'm doing. There's going to be probably a lot more interesting content there in the
1: weeks ahead so sounds interesting Spencer how can people find out more about you your thoughts and what you're up to
0: yeah anybody who needs any uh, questions answered about marketing automation or their favorite CRM and how it works with WordPress for their membership sites hit me at WPLaunchify.com or you can see our videos on YouTube at WPLaunchify
1: and I, lo- I liked your um, it's Luke isn't it Your uh, one of your team He did a great Luke's video t- he did a great video about um, JavaScript um, and triggers. I thought that was a really good um, like, um, article, and he did a little video. I thought they get top marks for that, so tell him.
0: Luke, high fives to Luke. Luke is an essential part of what we do, and he's the one that interfaces with most of the customers. But the number one questions we get are things like that, which is I have a business, I have a CRM, I want to do WordPress membership, How do I put those worlds together? And Luke is a big part of that.
1: And um, just before we end, um, I thought, um, Chris, you dealt with um, that issue of somebody taking your plugins and add ons and and trying to sell them for your own Facebook uh, group Uh, in a firm but polite and honest way. I thought that was quite impressive. I think a lot of people would have gone on a, A more frank um, and slightly more uh, aggressive uh, note that you did. But um, it's a bit cheeky when they take your plugins and then they they try and sell them for your Facebook group, isn't it?
3: It is. But they had it, uh, after all that, they had it down by the time I woke up in the morning. So it was, uh, yeah. Thank you you for the compliment. (laughs)
1: I thought, you de- I thought you dealt with it with your CEO uh, manner, firm but polite. Uh, um, so we're going to wrap it up now, folks. Um, we'll be back next week with a great panel. I really enjoyed this. Thanks, Michelle, for coming on the show. You must come back. Um, you do have opinions that that is true. Uh, um, and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye.